Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Episode 79 of the podcast that is sweeping the nation. It is One Man's Opinion. Thank you for downloading, for subscribing, for commenting and playing and telling a friend. Podcast is doing very well. Thanks to each and every one of you. And we got a brand new, we got a good episode this week. I think you guys are going to really enjoy. If you're just tuning in for the first time or just stumbling upon this podcast, this is One Man's Opinion. I am Jeff Vance. You can hear me weekday afternoons, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio, host of the Elite Sports Show. I'm also owner, operator, and chief content officer of the Elite Sports Network, fantasyguru.com. All your seasonal fantasy football needs will be fulfilled there. We've got uh, projections and rankings and coaching breakdowns and offensive lines and something that's very important that we'll talk about in this episode, injuries. Got you covered at the highest level possible over there at fantasyguru.com. So get over there, check it out. Daily Fantasy Sports is on elitefantasy.com. We've got five slates. If you're listening to this previous to the second week of the preseason, five different slates, including several showdown slates for you that we will cover in Daily Fantasy Football at elitefantasy.com. Get over there and check it out, Elite sportsbetting.com for all your legalized sports betting needs as well. You could follow me, Jeff Mans, on Twitter at the Jeff under or at Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans, all one word over on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. All right, folks, a huge episode today. Today we're talking about one of the most important elements of fantasy football. One of the most important parts that often get left out and and something that gets overlooked and we all just sort of read into our own belief system injuries. And I brought one of the best in the business in to help me out. Dr. Jesse Morris. He is sports medicine, regenerative medicine specialist at the osteopathic center in Miami corner of the fantasy doctors as well. He's got an app TFD as well. So uh, you guys, it's absolutely phenomenal to welcome Dr. Jesse Morris into one man's opinion doc how are you this afternoon thank you very much for having me i'm doing great all right man well i i'm glad to finally get you on like i feel like so you, you know i'm very excited because uh, uh you guys fantasy doctors and us the fantasy guru have formed a partnership that is very important i think to what we do um what we do and what our subscribers really want and it to give them the absolute top-notch injury analysis. So like talk a little bit about that partnership and what made you want to, uh, you know, kind of become part of the fantasy guru family. Yeah. So no, I realized uh, maybe four or five years ago that injuries are such an important part of the game. I mean, we see it every year and, and some people think they're fluky. Um, some people like myself, believe there's, um, you know, the, you can see some writing on the wall before the injury actually happens. Mm-hmm. And in, in getting people to understand that uh, is a little challenging. It's a lot easier when you, you know, confide in people who you've been listening to for X number of years and kind of say, you know, you've been listening to them for fantasy advice 
well, let me give you some insight on injuries as well. And you kind of put the two together and then formulate your decision of whether or not you want to draft this guy or, or you know, or play this guy this week or so on and so forth. Better decision-making. I mean, that's what we all should be striving for in everything that we do, not just in our fantasy football analysis, but uh, you know, whatever decision was, it's who to draft, who to start, you know, when we talk about this coming football season, a lot of the listeners out there right now, we're all trying to make those decisions. Which players do we want to be a part of? Do we want to invest in and which players are we choosing to fade? And a lot of times it's not about the talent level of any player. It's about their availability. It's about their opportunity Two things that get lost in the mix uh, quite a bit. And I'm sure we'll dive into a lot of that on today's episode. So again, folks, if you're over there at fantasyguru.com, remember you could add the uh, entry draft guide right there for you as an add-on to our uh, subscription there. Get it and get updated. What do, what do folks get with the, uh, the your fantasy doctors? Yeah, so uh, we made, there's two versions of it. The guru edition, I like to call it, is a special <laughs> edition because it has actually a lot more stuff than the, than the regular public one that, that if you're not a guru subscriber, you can't get. But I basically, my goal was to provide you with a combination of performance and injury analysis for basically the top 115, 20 players. Okay. Every profile has injury analysis as far back as I can find. If they broke their ankle back in, in high school and it was discussed somewhere, I analyze it because indirectly that plays a role in how they did throughout their career uh, and then we did that for really the, the you know the, the top 25 ish uh, mm-hmm. quarterbacks really the top 30 uh, running backs and then we did even deeper for, for wide receivers and in a little shallower even the top 15 20 rookies are all discussed because you know they're relevant as we saw last year you guys just come out of the woodwork and they obviously they had this fantastic career and you're like well I don't know anything about them really. So, and then each one has their own video, sometimes multiple videos. Uh, There's a lot of different parts to it. You can scroll through it. You can scan through it. There's PDF versions and it's really meant to help you make the best decision about a player. If you make a draft board, you know, you know, if I give you a risk score, literally a score out of 10, Mm -hmm. zero to 10, 10 being really risky. And I say, you know, based on this person's injury history and, and based on my experience with treating a lot of uh, NFL guys, this is where I would rank him heading into the season. Uh, and it allows you to say, uh, maybe I don't want to draft that guy or mm, I don't like him at that ADP or whatever. So it kind of gives you more information and there's no guessing. It's all educated and it's all, uh, you know, information and data driven. I love that. That element right there is just so worth the price of admission, everybody, because, you know, that's what we do as fantasy analysts. Obviously it's what beat writers do, you know, back in the day you used to have some beat writers and those people that covered the team that were, you know, they were chummy with the team trainers and doctors. And sometimes they got some medical information or, you know, HIPAA laws be damned. And they, they would get that info and be able to pass along. I, I've been saying it for a couple of years now, doc, that beat writers just don't have it anymore. And specifically in the national football league, there really are no voices of the team. It's nope. Adam Schefter, it's Jay Glazer, and sometimes it's Ian Rappaport. Those national guys, they get all the stories, even though you get blogs and um, the team press online. 
that you know get people to cover the the teams they're not reporting the stuff no. that us fantasy users and players need to know yeah no and you're right and that's the problem is like some people are like well it can't be true until adam schefter has tweeted about it it's true yeah. you know, like in so many words and unfortunately some of that can be true and some of the times they give us very detailed information. I'm like, my goodness, I didn't think I would give that specific, which I like because that helps me give sure. you a better understanding of, you know, how severe the injury is, when I can expect them back, what are the risks of them coming back too soon or lingering? You know, these are all the things that go in my head. Um, and, 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 and unfortunately, a lot of the beat writers don't have that luxury anymore, even though there's probably 10 or 15 for each team. You know, there's a couple Nick Underhill of uh, the Saints has a tendency to have his ear to the ground, maybe a little bit more than most. And mm -hmm. he, he, you know, he, 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 you know, writes about it. But in general, you really don't have many that that are like, yeah, this guy always consistent or female has their own uh, opinion and, and, and insight that you really can't get anywhere else. They just we've lost that, unfortunately. No doubt about it. By the way, can you, when you see like a Schefter reporter glaze or even a beat writer report that is real detailed on the medical front, can you tell when they're, they got their information directly from a doctor or somebody in the know? Like, can you tell based on the language that, yes. ah, this oh, is yeah. coming from. So someone? I love, so <laughs> yeah. let's put it this way. I'll yeah. give you a, a good example of the difference between the two. When you hear, um, some of the like, like uh, we'll use Rashad Bateman just for an example. Yeah, yeah. Ravens receiver. When you hear, when you hear uh, Harbaugh talk about it last week or whatever week it was, um, it was so generalized. It was like, yeah, he's he's got this groin injury. We don't really know what it is. We're gonna do some rehab, and it was like coach speak. I like to call it like there was no analysis behind it. It was just kind of like somebody said, yeah, he's got a groin injury. Just kind of walk your way through it. Right. And then you hear like, or, 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 you know, you hear a video from Ian Rappaport or, 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 or Schefter and you, you literally, it's detailed. It's like he went to Dr. Anderson for his foot, the different player, but in general, mm -hmm. uh, it's expected to be between five and 12 weeks Wentz, for instance. And yeah. they're addressing a, a, a fracture for a bone that was created when uh, he was in high school and it just rebroke off. That is super specific. You right. can't, you know, you can't make randomly make that up. That is very specific from either high level trainers or, 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 you know, a team docs or the actual doctor taking care of that patient uh, in, in, in a statement form. Like they said, yeah. literally, what do you want me to tell the media type of thing? Right. And that's where like they could tell the doctor could tell the coach that exact information 17 times. The coach would never be able to replicate that and spit that sure. back out, translate it in that manner, the way a Schefter or a Rapport does. So that's, yeah, no, I know it probably comes from somebody else. Definitely. Yeah. That's uh, very true. So in that regard, let's take us back. Give us a little bit about your background. Um, a little yeah. bit here, Dr. Morse sure. in, you know, what, where you come from your medical background and, uh, and all of that. Sure. So, uh, originally from Boston area. So most of you would party already hate me. Um, no accent then, though. <laughs> no, I'm I've, been, I've been away from it long enough, so I don't have the Boston, <laughs> uh, but, um, and then I did a lot, most of my medical training in the Midwest. Um, and then I did my, my sports medicine fellowship at Tampa, where I took care of uh, not only USF, but also um, the Blue Jays, uh, the Phillies a little bit. Uh, and then when I moved to the East Coast, the Marlins, 
Um, and my mentor uh, at USF is now the team doc for the Bucks. Um, oh, nice. So he just got his first ring. And then um, I moved to Miami a little bit over a year ago. And I, I've been treating a lot of uh, NFL guys because most of them train down here. So I see a lot of these guys. I, I'm not a surgeon. I've never, you know, I've never been a surgeon, but I, I specialize in regenerative medicine and, and, and uh, sports medicine. So I'm a non-surgical orthopedist is kind of the quote unquote category. And essentially what, what I do is my goal is if you don't want surgery or if, if surgery is not possible, I'm trying to get you close to hundred percent as possible with very high level products. So most people have heard of PRP or platelet rich plasma by now. Oh, yeah. uh, that's kind of the, for me, the lowest level, the weakest stuff, we have much, much more potent stuff um, that a lot of our pros use. One of my favorite products we got from the San Antonio Spurs about eight years ago or so. And uh, this stuff is so potent. I mean, we can inject it on, you know, on a Monday and I can get it back in the field on like a Wednesday. It's crazy. Wow. Um, you know, so it, it, most of the teams, they're cheap. They don't want to pay for it or they just <laughs> quote unquote, don't want to, um, you know, don't use it for whatever reason. So a lot of the guys end up coming out sourcing and, and I'm one of the places they have a tendency to go. So I do, I get the mental aspect of it, you know, understanding what these guys deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, but I never use any personal information that I know from a, a player in any of my analysis, but I unfortunately have seen yeah. a lot of these guys and in some of these crazy injuries. And I want to be upfront with everybody here. Dr. Morris has um, seen a lot of athletes. He's treated a lot of athletes. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to breach that confidentiality uh, at all. We're going to talk in general terms about, you know, specifics with these injuries amongst players and everything like that. But like, that's something I believe in confidentiality, obviously. And uh, we're not going to put him on the spot with any of that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we're not, we're not going to do that. And people are like, oh, did you ever see this guy? Did you see? Yes, he's seen every athlete you could imagine. And, uh, you know, that that is that. We're here to help you with your fantasy football teams. By the way, like, when did you know you wanted to be a doctor, by the way? Like, what, what did Good question interested growing up was it like did you just like playing doctor when you're teenager so like, actually i have kind of a crazy story so yeah um that that's kind of how it indirectly it plays out so when yeah. i was 18 i just turned 18 and if if anybody's from the north or in the cold weather you've experienced black ice before and if you Chicago, from, yeah. from the south part of the country you've experienced hydroplaning on water before so you know where i'm coming from mm -hmm. so i was in a bad a really bad car accident um, and, uh, I ended up breaking my neck Oh, and I, I so I was, I broke four vertebrae. Wow. I was a centimeter away from being paralyzed and, 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 and a millimeter away from death. And it was super crazy close. So uh, the care and the sympathy and the empathy that the, the, uh, you know, healthcare workers showed me indirectly helped kind of start a fire that, that I felt like I needed to harness and I'll, I'll, it was always an interest but I think that pushed it farther than it, you know before before that accident and I've just contended to kind of push it uh, ever since wow fan so were you a sports fan then growing up and did you you know what, oh, what yeah. point did this two so what were you going to do before that that accident um, so I mean um, I, I, to be honest with you I don't know if I've ever known exactly what I wanted to do before that I don't know mm -hmm. if I, I knew exactly but um and, and, and 
being in the New England area, I actually, when I graduated, Brady had just started. So oh. I've kind of been spoiled literally my entire life with between yeah. the, between the Patriots and, and, and ridiculous Sox. amount of teams. And then, and then, the, you know, the Celtics, you know, for the most part, right. competitive, the Red Sox have had their fair share of titles. So I've always the been Bruins. Kind of spoiled, you know, Bruins had actually had a couple oh, of good yeah. years, you know, one yeah. year they took it home. So, mm-hmm. you know, I even actually poured beer at Patriot stadium uh, in <laughs> high school, you know, uh, yeah. my last game was tuck rule game. If you, you know, if really the older ones will remember that oh, and, wow. I remember uh, that. when it was snowing like crazy. And, you know, so I, you know, I, it, that kind of has always been in there for me. And now, it, and now I've been able to kind of come full circle and a lot of see, you know, meet or and see a lot of these guys and treat them. A lot of the injuries that I used to basically watch from the stands. And now I get to actually help them get back to the field. Well, it's pretty cool. You get to pass it on. I love that story because, you know, you're touched by the workers that helped you get back on the path. Now you get to do it. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I, I really believe in that as well. I'm not a spiritual, I say it all the time, I'm not a spiritual guy, but I do believe in karma and doing the right thing and paying it forward. Like that stuff. I, I just believe there's something there, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I love that story. What about like the fantasy element? So you've been a sports fan your whole life. You, you got your spoiled yeah. rotten uh, baby brat with your little Boston plethora yeah. of championships over there. But what, like, how do you, you're off at medical school. I mean, are you, are you playing fantasy sports? What's the first time you heard of fantasy football or so fantasy baseball? I play both baseball and football hmm. uh, for fantasy wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been a big basketball guy. I've never been a big hockey guy. So it was pretty easy for me to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say football was probably first because it's a lot easier and not as time consuming. Um, but that's probably been 15 years, maybe, you know, we're going, we're going pretty far back. Yeah. Um, and then I, I continue to play both. Um, you know, I, at one point I was in probably 13 or 15 uh, fantasy football leagues. Uh, that just is so time consuming. It's crazy, yeah. Um, you know, and, and especially with the content now, it's just I can't be, you know, can't do 500 things. But mm-hmm. uh, it's still my passion, and indirectly, um, I get to contribute. You know, whether it's content or playing or, or DFS or whatever, I love, I love playing uh, DFS. It's just kind of a different edge for me, uh, and it gives me a little bit of ex- excitement uh, sure. when there's a little bit of skin in, in the game, so to speak. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I love it, and um, you know, the uh, so. When, at what point did you think about merging the two, you know, your career so being a medical the, practitioner and a yeah. medical doctor, and then, you know, getting into fantasy, like when did that start evolving in your mind? So back in, in, in 2017, uh, the two uh, co-founders of the fantasy doctors reached out to me when I was just about to graduate residency. Mm. And they said, you know, I was doing a little bit on, on, on Twitter already and they were like, you know, we have this business. We think you'd be a great asset. You think like, you know, you, you, you play fantasy, but you also have the medical aspect of it. And we would love to get your insight, you know, and, 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 and for our content. So mm-hmm. it kind of started with that. And we started producing stuff slowly. And then last year, we really ramped it up. Just the volume, the different types of content you can provide. And we really tried to become the 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 main source of your injury analysis because you know uh, uh, the fantasy doctors is, is the only group 
of orthopedic uh, surgeons and sports medicine doctors in the world that I'm aware of that not only analyzes injuries, but also comments on them in real time. So ideally within 20 minutes of an injury, I should have a video out somewhere around there, just depending on the time of day and, and whatnot. And, and trying to uh, provide accurate, unbiased uh, analysis from an expert. So we have foot surgeons, we have hand surgeons, we have, you know, we have all these different experts that actually do this on a regular basis that are just saying, all right, here's what I would do if I was the doctor in this situation type of thing. So it gives you a really high level analysis uh, of about uh, of a player, even though they never evaluated the player based on a combination between watching the video, understanding the, the just the medicine, and then any information provided by the team or, or, or said reporters. I got, I got to give your app a plug because it's absolutely fantastic. You guys go to the app store. It's free, right? Just T.T. period. F period, D period, TFD, and uh, the fantasy doctors right there. And it's a great synopsis. Just basically calls all of the uh, information from social media and Twitter by sport, football, baseball. I think you got basketball on there as well. Yep. The main four. Yeah. Yeah. I basically was like, I'm sick of looking for like, you know, I'm going, you know, I'm going to the score. I'm going to ESPN. I'm going to like all these different places last year. And I'm like, I, I literally spend 20 minutes trying to find a good source about something that is very quietly discussed. And I'm like, you know, is this guy legit on Twitter or like whatever, you know? It, it, so I'm like, why don't I just collectively bring all of these good resources into one place? Because they're all tweeting, you know, most of the, most of the sports is predominantly on Twitter, at least in real time. So yeah. I'm like, why don't I just put it in one spot and then right. sift it and make it easy for you? That's essentially what, what TFD is. It's pretty good. I mean, it's a great tool, great gadget to have uh, at our uh, disposal right on our, our phones. So uh, check that out, everybody. Um, all right, Doc. So a, a couple of things. So one thing I got to say, I feel like you mentioned like 2017, you guys are starting. I recognize you before we work together here with Fantasy Guru and your draft guide at Fantasy Doctors and stuff like that. I recognize you from Twitter. Like, were you tweeting? I, I feel like you and I used to have be in communication via Twitter. Yeah, so years. I was, uh, I used to be uh, a subscriber back when um, Tommy G was still. Um, oh, dear. Okay. Not, yeah. not, not banned. Not crazy. Or, okay. <laughs> banned, whatever the wording is. Yeah. Um, you know, uh-huh. you, uh, baseball guys, and, and, you know, some of the other before, you know, uh-huh. um, you know, we, we, the, the original crew. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like Collins, like you know, before Guru it got disbanded. Times. Yeah, before right. it got disbanded, and everybody is on you know different Crazy. Um, companies now. Uh-huh. So way back when, so to speak. Oh wow, okay. So that was it. So yeah, that was it. You were in our chat room then. Yeah, well, I was You're probably yeah. Chat. Wherever you guys had content, I was probably there. That's pretty cool because I knew I recognized you on that, and uh, I knew there was something, some kind of connection right in there, and that's what you know, obviously. Um, why we reached out as well to get that. I think for us on the fantasy guru side and the elite fantasy side, like it's important for us because we can't trust beat writers, as I've said, and I'm no medical expert at all. I know what hurts me, but I'm now old and decrepit anyway. So everything hurts me. You know, I I don't really know what we don't, I'm further away from what these players are going through. I have no real idea and what they're, 
prognosis is, how long certain injuries are going to take, what's real, what's not real. I yep. feel that in sports, and I've been covering this and playing fantasy for 30 plus years. I've been in the fantasy sports industry. I was a beat writer before that. Uh, so that's 20 years in the sports business, let's say. And the thing I could say is injuries are more prevalent now than they've ever been. And I, I always say it's because we have more testing. Like you run a, a major league baseball pitcher through an MRI machine. I don't care. I don't care how they feel. They're going to that have are, Yes. Right. It's going to show right. something. There's right. fraying like, of the right. labrum or something I, is going on. Right. Like here's the way I look at, here's the way I describe it to a lot of my patients. Cause they, I use analogies a lot cause it helps make sense to them. I'm like, unless your tires are brand new in your car, there's going to be wear and tear on them. Right. Apply that to any joint. You've been using it your whole damn life. You really don't think there's going to be any injuries to it. Whether or not those actually correlate to pain or causing an issue is a separate discussion. That's, that's my goal as a provider to try to interpret that. But if you do imaging on pretty much anybody, there's going to be something wrong. It just depends on how big of a deal is it. And is it, you know, where, you know, is it, is it ready to cause a fuss or is it just like what we call an incidental loma, just an incidental finding? Right. And do you think that, and do you think they are, we're looking for injuries more? In the modern era, in today's so, day and age, are, are players more aware of their bodies than they used definitely. to be? Or? And there's a, there's a couple parts to this. Mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago, we didn't know how bad concussions were. Right. 10, 15 years ago, team docs were handing out narcotics like they were candy. Right. You know, or they're yep. giving Toradol shots. Like, like oh. oh, I can't go to the field without my Toradol shot. Like, and it still Numb happens it to an extent. But the problem is guys are playing with these crazy injuries that if they didn't have the medicine, there's no way they could be performing. But for two, three hours while that medicine's kicking in, they are on cloud nine and they can do whatever they want. But trust me, that injury is going to be a lot worse because you're playing through, you know, a quote unquote mild injury. And now you just became moderate because you're playing, you know, like, like a chicken with your head cut off because you can't feel it. You know, we use pain as a, as a, you know, slow down, something's wrong. But if you can't feel that pain, well, what do you do? You just keep pushing through. Yeah. And I, I think that that's where we got in a lot of trouble in the eighties and nineties where they used to just is all pain tolerance was just making you not feel just numbing, everything, numbing, everything. And I think there's a lot of that has gone on just in society, obviously they talk about opioids and things like that, where people just numb they're, they're in pain, but they, your doctor or, or not even a doctor, just themselves will sort of manage their pain in a way that just numbs them. So they stop feeling and they, yep. it, it comes at expense of other things and eventually vital organs and brain yep. functionality and stuff like that. So it's hundred percent, you know, kidneys start failing, liver starts failing, you know, uh, they're, they're, you know, they start getting high blood pressure, you know, they start getting addicted. So they need two or three of those pain pills as opposed to one, because there's a tolerance issue, you know, uh, maybe they're not as sharp mentally because they've had 10 concussions, you know, so there's a lot of kind of, you know, buildup and, mm-hmm. and, and now we're much more cognizant. We have much better medical staffs, um, much more comprehensive. Most teams have independent neurologists. They have uh, a combination of ortho, traditional ortho and non-surgical ortho, like, like what I am. They have um, emergency doctors on sidelines for, you know, in case somebody, you know, has issues with breathing, they can 
put a you know intubate them real quick like they have access to everything under the sun 20 years ago 30 years ago there was like two people there was two docs and that was like the extent of it you know now there's an entire team yeah and so as a as in your field and as a doctor like what because there's more where i'm going with this is there's more responsibility now there's more um you know, they'll follow what the treatment was now. However you treat an athlete now, it seems like, you know, in my opinion, back in those days, there wasn't much thought about what happens 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. But yep. now everything is documented. We've got social media and digital record keeping and everything is sort of in line. You know, how, how was, do you think that's changed your profession? Um, oh, where, you, know, you need to worry about this patient you know, what happens to his entire future, what, what your diagnosis and treatment right now is going to do to this person 20 years down the road. Right. Exactly. I mean, for, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, before we converted to electronic medical records, if you couldn't read the doctor's writing, that was it. No, there's, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? And you can ask me, I mean, there's no way I remember what the heck that says, you know, and maybe I wrote it illegibly for a reason, you know, or decided not to write X, Y, Z. Now that's there's too much legality into it. Everything is computerized, so it's translated and transcribed and, and you sent across to wherever. It's on some cloud somewhere. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like all of that you have to take into consideration. And a lot of it is CYA, you know, cover yeah. your ass medicine, whether it's regular Absolutely. medicine or sports medicine or whatever. You know, uh, these guys are much more cognizant of their health, and not so much the rookies, but the older ones. And those are the ones that start to come to see me because they're like, you know, I don't, I, I, things actually start hurting now, you know, as right. opposed to the 21, 22, and they, they don't really feel anything. They're just excited to be there. Yes. And you mentioned like the PRP that you do the plasma rich yep. platelets. I know like major league pitchers. I mean, that's been a, a godsend for many oh, yeah. pitchers than you know, sometimes in our field, I'm thinking this guy's got elbow. Anytime I hear elbow or normally like forearm, I am like, all right, that means elbow. And <laughs> this guy is in a lot of yep. trouble. And then, but then lately your field comes in here and you're, you get the plasma rich platelets shot up and then, all of a sudden, this guy makes recovery. I'm like, I'm a, I'm fading this pitcher because I don't trust his elbow. But they kind of make, I'd say, full recovery. But they make recoveries and start pitch for years. I know they do. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, it's, yeah. it's there's a fine line uh, that we're learning more. My 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 partner in my clinic, the the, the other the other doc, he's mm. uh, been doing it for probably 15 years. So he was one of the, like the originals that was doing it, and, and like even chatting with him, like the evolution of regenerative medicine, which is the field of stem cell and, 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 and PRP and that stuff has come so far. We know so much more. We understand it from a cellular level, like we never have before. And you understand what intensity, what strength it takes to maybe not fix, but improve the quality. And we understand, you know, like for, for pitchers in baseball, if, if it's an anterior tear of the, of the Tommy John ligament, the UCL, there's a good chance that PRP is going to help. But if it's posterior, you need Tommy John. And that's the extent of it. You know, you can put PRP in it, but you're just killing time and you're just delaying the inevitable. So we've got better, but that, you know, takes years of research and of clinical experience and just improving uh, that type of stuff. And, and a lot of, unfortunately, um, a lot of the teams, whether it's a, a, a CYA thing again, whether it's a legality thing, whether it's a, a money thing, they don't really push it as 
as far as they have the resources to do. And that's where why a lot of them come to me because I don't have any restrictions. I don't have to worry about whether or not your team is going to pay for it. You know, if they come to me, they're paying for it usually. And when you're dealing with multi-million dollar athletes, what's five grand? You know, what's 10 grand? But if you're going to be on the field, you know what I mean? If you're on the, if you get paid, you know, 600,000 a game and I get you on the field a game faster, is it worth the 20 K? You know, like, if you look at it that way, but unfortunately the teams don't look at it that way. Why and is that? Why don't it. the team, why aren't the teams, you know, why are they so cheap? I mean, this, the, <sighs> you, you mentioned like it's 600 K for the athlete or maybe a million bucks or a couple million dollars. In yeah, some I mean, yeah, but, but then with a team, you're talking about a billion dollar enterprise here. Every yeah. single sports team at this point is a billion dollar. Why not try <sighs> to do what you can for both preventative measures and, you know, treatments that don't involve, you know, going so, under the knife. Here's the only conclusion I can come up. Well, it makes sense if you think about it, but I don't like the analogy, but it works. Um, and when I discuss it with players, they agree with me, um, you know, from their perspective. So at the end of the day, it's about money and it's about a business. So these guys on average are basically like a pawn in a very expensive game of chess. And that's kind of the way I look at it, because at the end of the day, they're replaceable. Unfortunately, right. that's the harsh reality of the situation. I'm not saying I agree with it, but that's just kind of how it plays out. So yeah. it's like, oh, you know, I, I mean, there's maybe a couple exceptions to the rule, but in general, it's like, well, you're not doing your job. I'll just find someone else to replace you. Basically, you know, they're not thinking five, 10 years down the road for XYZ player. Are you healthy for me now? And unfortunately, that when the player starts advocating for themselves, that's when they actually start doing the type of stuff that I do. If not, it's like, oh, give me a steroid shot and put me back on the field or give me a tortoise shot and put me back on the field because I don't worry about what's going to happen to me five, 10 years down the road. I want to play tomorrow. And, and, you know, and then you have the Todd Gurley's that just fall off a cliff, proverbial speaking, because said injury in college, you know, and unfortunately that could have been maybe not prevented, but delayed the degenerative but, nature of it, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, some of that was just severity of injury, but the way they approached it, oh, I want to be on the field as soon as possible. And sometimes that's not always the best decision. Not for the player, at least. And, you know, I always joke that these guys are pawns in our game because, frankly, they are. They're just names. Can't fall in love with them from a physical standpoint because, you know, they're names on a page. But you're right. In your field, it's much different. And for these organizations, do you, you know, it, it is, um, you know, these guys are far more than pawns. Do you ever feel like contract status plays into that? Like if, if you just 100%. signed, like Kenny Galladay just got a big deal. Feels like if the, if you, if you recommend, uh, you know, uh, a stem cell injection or something uh, that can help him, you know, and, and make him safer down the road, giants might say, Oh yeah, this is a good investment for me. As opposed to somebody who's a free agent next year, they're like, ah, we'll just, well, we won't. Do you ever feel that oh, 100%, way? Definitely. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, but yeah. um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, the T they try to keep it in house as much as they can, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. But uh, if uh, the larger, the salary uh, you know, the, the, the more they're prized by the team, presumably, sure. I think they're more willing to go out of their way. And that, that data is actually supported when it comes to recoveries for ACLs and a couple other injuries, the higher the draft pick, the more quote unquote capital the team has in a player, the more likely they are to return. 
at, at, a, at a play at a high level, right. you know, uh, and, and which sounds kind of funny, but when you think about it, it's like, well, I want to make sure and go out of my way because I already spent a lot of money on you, sunk costs, so to speak, but I need to make sure that I'm going to get my money's worth. So if I have to spend a couple extra thousand or whatever it is here to make sure that you end up, you know, panning out for me, I'm going to do that. So I, I think that does play a role. And unfortunately, the guys who are either at the end of the career or not considered elite, they get a little bit of the short end of the stick and they kind of have to do that on their own if they, you know, if they, if they want to do that. It's, just, it's crazy to think that uh, all that plays into it, but there's no question about it. We're talking to Dr. Jesse A. Moore's uh, medical doctor, sports medicine, sports medicine, regenerative medicine specialist at the osteopath, osteopathic center in Miami. I don't know. That word will always trip me up no matter what. Also co-owner of the fantasy doctors. They've got their draft guide. It's an add on here at fantasyguru.com. It's just an add on because it's important. Folks, it's you know the um, the the 2021 NFL injury draft guide. It's the perfect supplement to what we got. We'll give you all the analysis of Fantasy Guru. We got rankings and projects, all that. The thing we can't do is give you honest, real life medical information on the copious amounts of injuries that will impact fantasy football this year. It's why we brought on Jesse and his entire staff, the fantasy doctors here to help us out and help all of you out. So make sure that you're uh, clicking that add on button for this draft guide. Cause it is, and this will be updated and uh, yep. throughout the season, we'll have information on fantasyguru.com as well, folks. So it's important. Um, doc, do you, are there injured? Like, give me the injury. I want to know the injuries that you're most confident in. Like when you see, you know, we see hamstrings, groins, you know, and there's all these, I want to know the one that, you know, you know, ex when you see it pop up, you, you feel, okay, I know exactly this guy's going to be out one to three weeks or one to two weeks. He's got to do this, this, and this, but I'm confident he's going to be back. And then I want to know the one that you are like, Oh God. Oh no. You know, like this is because <laughs> like the cam Akers injury, the Achilles, it, yeah. you know, it, it, it gets on social media and we all know tearing Achilles for running backs, a bad thing. The, the history isn't kind to his recovery there. But as a, as a medical doctor and somebody who's trained in this, like what injuries do you, aren't you worried about very much? Which ones make you go gulp? So in terms of ones that don't overly concern me, a lot of the hand stuff usually doesn't concern me. Even like, think about it. Even Chris Godwin broke his, what broke his finger. He, I think he missed yeah. the game, yeah, you know, maybe mm -hmm. two. I mean, uh, you know, at least in football. Um, yep. Concussions, this is going to sound a little fruity, but in general, concussions actually do really well as long as they're, you know, nowadays they can't skate by the guidelines anymore. Most of the time they come back in a week or two. Uh, I mean, hell, we've seen Brandon Cooks. I felt like he's had five concussions Man. and he hasn't yeah. missed a game in three years. Right. You know, so he's mm -hmm. got this big, huge, quote unquote, concussion history, but you know, we, we haven't really seen it translate and trust me, he's still getting hit, you know? Right. Um, but it, when I, the, the ones that scare me the most, um, there's two that come to mind. One right. is a high ankle sprain and two oh. is a Liz Frank or midfoot sprain. Yeah. Okay. Those two. And, I, and I'll give you examples of each. Mm -hmm. So obviously last year, the, the, wide receiver one and the running back one both suffered significant 
high ankle sprains. Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Minimum four weeks. Minimum. And when you hear that, sell. Period. I don't care how much you can get a discount on it. Just it's over. They will not be the same player until the offseason for a high ankle sprain. I don't care if it's the mildest of mild. Right. That's the harsh reality of it. Why is that? Why? And it's so funny because the high ankle sprain, like the Liz Frank is one that as a, an analyst that I do like freak out about too, because yep. it just seems like never good, but the high ankle, you do see all variations of it. And that one just to my uh, very uh, mediocre mind here, that, that never does impact me the same way a Liz Frank. So why is it that they high ankle? So that, when someone thinks of an ankle sprain, so when someone thinks of an ankle sprain, they traditionally think of a lateral ankle sprain. Like if you just, you know, step off a curb and your ankle rolls out of your Roll playback it, ball or whatever. Okay. No one ever thinks of a medial ankle sprain, the inside of the ankle, because that's super strong. That's what happened with Michael Thomas. That's also what happened with Dak. Both of them tore their inside of their ankle. But from a high ankle, that's actually where the two lower leg bones come together and form the top of the ankle joint. The problem with this is, and it really happens when your toes are kind of jammed into the ground and someone lands on the back of your heel and it kind of spreads those two lower leg bones. And oh. in between those two lower leg bones is a thick ligament called the syndesmosis or syndesmotic ligament. And every time you put your foot down with a high ankle sprain, your two lower leg bones want to separate because that ligament is torn, depending on the severity of the injury. This is an awful, I mean, awful injury. Best case scenario, you miss, you know, a month, three weeks, yeah. but anything more than moderate, I mean, you're talking six months before they feel normal again. It's, I mean, it's just awful. And, and, right. and honestly, the best case scenario is if they have a tightrope put in, which is what happened with Tua uh, when he was at Alabama. Actually, Jalen Hurts also had one at Alabama. Uh, it, it, um, OBJ had one when he did his a couple of years ago. Most of the time that doesn't happen, but they're awful injuries. They just are very challenging to come back from because when guys try to come back from them, they lose their what we call proprioception. So when you put your foot in the ground, usually you don't have to look at it to see where it's placed. Yeah. They lose that sensation when they come in back from a high ankle. So they don't know where their foot placement is. And if you're talking about, you know, a, an elite running back, they're going to have to look at their feet. That's not exactly helpful when they're trying to avoid no. someone fumbling them. Uh, and it's, they lose their burst. And it takes a long time to get that back. Uh, Kamara had one a couple of years ago. And I remember him saying in the media, he's like, I don't know if he's suffered it in whenever. He came back midseason, but – he was like, I literally, it took me until like April of the following off season until I finally felt a hundred percent again. Like right. that's crazy. It's devastating. And you're right. It's certain positions, especially when you run through that, we talk about Tom Brady had a knee injury and he was still able to plant and, yep. and win a Super Bowl during it. But if you're not an NFL running back. You don't have that luxury. You have to move and stop and start. That's what happened with Chubb. Chubb and, and Brady had the same injury last year. Brady's oh. might have been a little bit worse, but you can't run the, the MCL, which is what both of them injured, the, the ligament yeah. that runs north to south on the inside of the knee. Every time you, you say it's your right knee and you are trying to cut uh, right, you're going to mm -hmm. plant and cut. Well, that ligament is what's preventing your knee from collapsing inward. It can't do that if it's partially torn. 
That's why right. Chubb couldn't play for six or seven weeks because that ligament couldn't hold them. You know, but once it scars down and it heals, they do okay. You know, Brady right. wasn't moving. He's like a stick figure. Right, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, and he his was reported really bad, but he had a pretty heavy-duty brace. Running backs are not going to wear that brace. They just it's, they just can't do it. Uh, so it, it's, you know, relative to position. And, and, and a lot, you know, a lot of them is even within the position. It's like, well, how does this guy run his routes? What type of running back is this guy? Is this is a mobile quarterback? You know, we would have never been able to see uh, Lamar Jackson tolerate that same knee injury that that, that Brady had. Right. He would have right. been he would have been useless. Right. Because he runs he would have been, been sitting in the pocket. He would have been dead. Yep. And that it's devastating. And like those running quarterbacks, I always say, be careful what you wish for because the more they run the more likely they're going to get hurt it's more things it's not just an arm injury or you know that that can do them in a leg injury could be absolutely devastating to their production and even their availability on the field what about like torn acls like we see this with running backs um you know c- fairly common unfortunately mm-hmm. for that but we, we're starting to see like these guys come back in far less than a year i always look back to those things yep. 2012 2013 with adrian peterson right and at the, he was one of the first running backs to come back in f- eight nine months and i think you know rushed for 2,000 yards that next season yeah. just like an insane human are we not as concerned about things like acls as we used to be so there's multiple levels to this question Mm. Um, I feel like there's, there's a couple different parts to it. The first one is when did you tear it? Mm. What additional damage and when meaning what stage of your career? Was it high school? Was it college? Was it NFL? The other part is what additional damage do you have? Did you have a lot of meniscus tearing? Did you have multiple ligaments? And I'll, and I'll explain in a second what I mean by that. And the other part of it is what position do you play? If you are a wide receiver, you do really well. Cooper Cup looked like he never missed a step. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. running backs have really struggled besides two exceptions. Adrian Peterson, like you mentioned, and he's just a genetic freak. That's the only explanation I can come up with. Right. And Jamal Charles way back in the day. Oh, yeah. Everybody else, even Dalvin Cook, took a year to finally break out and look normal again. And he's been able to tolerate to be able to do it since. But the, the, the data does not support that a running back can come back and be able to tolerate that workload that quickly. And some of that is mental, you know, and whether or not they want to admit it. And that's why I'm so down on Saquon among a myriad of reasons. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, yes, it's been ample time. Well, quote unquote, ample time, uh, you know, it should be at least nine months up to 12. Uh, but the question is, you know, are they realistically going to give him 200 plus touches? Can his knee handle that? Is that awful O-line going to be able to block for him, at least in some capacity? You know, how is the fatigue factor going to step in? Is he going to trust that new ligament when he's, you know, vulnerable and and, and trying to make a hard cut with that leg and cut back the other direction? Or is he going to want to just kind of baby and run it out of bounds or just kind of, you know, take a different approach? All of these are questions that we really don't know. And he might not even know, you know, of course he wants to prove that he's a monster, but you know, if for the ADP that you have to pay for Adrian Peterson or sorry, uh, for, for Saquon Barkley, <laughs> you, you better be damn sure that he's going to be able to give you the volume that you're looking for. And I just don't know if that's realistic. So fading 
Saquon Barkley for you. Not definitely not a first round pick. Um, I mean, you know, late second, I would right. say, but I, 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 you're not going to get, at least I'm not going to get him there. I mean, right. unless you're in some crazy shallow draft or you're just playing with people that aren't, you know, uh, or whatever, don't know, you know, don't know a whole lot, which maybe you are, but in general, I just don't think you're going to get him that late. So I'm not really risk averse, but I'm, just know a little bit too much about that injury. And unfortunately, you know, if he proves it this year, great. I will happily take the L, but the date is not on his side. You know, right. it, it, let's use another example. Carson Wentz. I, yes. do, I do not feel he ever returned to dominance after that knee injury. And you his, think it's, yeah. You think it's still the knee that gives him problems. You think that because he was mobile before yeah. that. People don't realize like he was scrambling out of the pocket. They did RPOs with him all the time. That's gone by the wayside since uh, that that original knee injury in in uh, LA. I I think I I think there's a couple parts to it, but the first part that people need to understand is that not only did he tear his ACL, which was a given at this point, but he also tore what we call the posterior lateral corner, the outside of your knee. So that is a very important structure, important part that doesn't normally get injured because in order to injure that, you have to take a shot to the inside of your knee and usually the other knees there to protect it. But just the way his happened, he got hit on the inside and he tore the outside of that knee. That is very hard to fix and very hard to trust again. So I just think he has a confidence issue in his knee and he just might not have the mobility or the burst. He broke, you know, he fractured vertebrae uh, the year after or two years after, Uh, you know, whether or not that was correlated either directly or indirectly, I don't know. But I think, you know, and then like, I'll use another example, Todd Gurley, he had a bad ACL tear, but the ACL doesn't overly concern me. It's the meniscus. That's really what I think derailed his career. When you remove the shocks for a car and still expect those shocks to be there, you're going to be disappointed. That's basically what the meniscus does. So the problem is you're expecting him to be able to tolerate that workload every five, six, seven days. Mm -mm, Not on that level of damage. You know, a couple of years ago, the tread starts coming off. And unfortunately, we can't change those tires and expect him to be back to normal. That's what happened with Gurley, he started developing bad arthritis and he just, the knee just didn't heal as fast as everybody wanted it to. One of the trends that I've noticed to recent in recent years, doc, is that uh, running back workloads. When you have a Thursday game after a Sunday game, you just mentioned the amount of time that it takes to heal the body and specific body parts as well. I noticed there's certain coaches, Belichick's one of them that they will give, if they is the running back has a heavy workload on Sunday, it's going to be a different running back picking up the majority of touches on that Thursday game coming back next. You think, is this good practice by coaches? Is this uh, the trainers I, I, and I medical people? I think there's, if they're smart, they'll understand that it's very hard, even though the young, uh, you know, athletic freaks mm-hmm. that it's hard to bounce back. Like these guys still get crazy sore and especially if that's without an injury, this is regular wear and tear. And especially if you're later in the season, like that accumulation, uh, you know, they're fresh right now, but, you know, put it two, three months down the road and they've been grinding every week. Maybe they get a day off every week, give or take that wears on them. I think they're yeah. just being cognizant and saving the bullets, so to speak, you know, uh, because right. they should. And because if they have playoff aspirations, 
you know, you just have to call a little bit of a different uh, play call, play series that week to be smart with your players, especially if the guy you just used is an important part of your team. What about going back to Wentz? What about this foot injury now? So, you know, the, the long timetable, why, why the five to 13 weeks? Great question. What, like what I, I, it confuses me. What's, what's going on so, with his foot? The, this is something uh, that is, is, is fascinating. So what likely happened here in the foot, a lot of uh, young athletes will develop uh, an accessory bone that uh, is normal. It's a very, what we call a variant and, and it's common. The problem is sometimes it can uh, wrap around a tendon or ligament. And if that tender ligament is torn in, in Wentz's case, then it had to be repaired. If it had to be repaired, you're talking like 12 weeks. If it doesn't injure a ligament or a tendon, depending on where in the bone we're talking about, you know, in the foot, then you're on the shorter timeline because you basically just remove that extra piece of bone that's kind of like a big rock in your shoe. It's not supposed to be there. Right. And everything, once the swelling comes down, you're good. That's the difference between the major timelines without knowing any specifics on the, on the player. So I, based on what they've shown already, I would say he should be on the earlier side of the timeline, but you know, it's anyone's guess when he starts ramping it up and starts actually moving, how is that foot going to respond? Is it going to start swelling? Is the, you know, is, is any of those ligaments or tendons going to start, you know, uh, yelling because they're supposed to run, run one runway. And now all of a sudden what they're used to having structurally there is no longer there. So now they're like, well, what is this? So, right. you know, we really don't know. We're going to have to kind of play it, you know, week by week, which sounds cliche, but that's literally how they're probably going to have to play it out. Looks like uh, they're trying to get him back maybe for the start of the season. Um, so I guess the shorter end of that timeline, but we shall see uh, how he recovers there. What about, I want to ask you about a series of players now yeah. all dealing with injuries as we're recording this, you know, late August here on one man's opinion, talked to Dr. Jesse Morris, uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, okay. For one, we got, Tell me what concerns you the most. We had a second surgery on that compound fracture of his mm -hmm. foot. We didn't know that we knew about one surgery, the second surgery there. And now he's got, it was a shoulder issue. Now they're calling it a lat strain. So it's yep. sort of you know one in the same, you know, how concerned are we about that right now? So everybody just wants to assume that his ankle is going to be a hundred percent. I'm not ready to say that yet. Yeah, I think okay. there's so I'll give everyone an example of how bad this could have been and how much less or how much different it was. Worst case scenario for this injury, Alex mm -hmm. Smith, craziest stuff you'll probably ever oh, see, especially God, yeah. the fact that he came back. That's next level bananas. Dax was probably like 60 to 70 percent of that. OK, that's mm -hmm. how bad Dax injury was. He fractured the out reportedly the outside of his uh, lower leg bone, but also tore that deltoid, that super strong ligament on the inside. That's what required a repair of the second. That's reportedly where the second surgery was. Right. That is what concerns me. I'm not worried about the fracture. He's got plates in there. They're fine. I'm not worried about that. 
I'm worried about mobility. I'm worried about stiffness and I'm worried about him potentially not wanting to run, which we take for granted that he's a pretty mobile guy. Just look at what he did the past, you know, the first four or five games last year, he did a lot of work on the ground. That's what I'm a little concerned about. So you're expecting him to still be mobile, but what if he doesn't trust that ankle or what if he's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. Maybe I'll just check it down or throw it or, you know, you still get points, but you may not get the same level of points. Then we move over to the shoulder slash back. This is a baseball injury that just happened to happen in a football player. That's why they were, they consulted the Yankees. That's why they consulted the Texas Rangers and team dogs because a latch strain is a pitching muscle accessory muscle throwing yes it could have been a compensatory injury secondary to his foot placement because he wasn't ready with his ankle so he's trying to overthrow to still make you know make said throw and i think he strained it in that regard they got a follow-up mri which isn't super concerning to me and everything reportedly is you know is on on task they're being very smart with him they just gave him stupid money so they need to be and I'm not really worried about the lat. If they came back too quickly, separate, you know, that's a stupid idea. They're not. I need to see him move before I can say, yes, he's a top five quarterback again. So we're more worried about the existence of that, uh, the ankle leg than we are about the lat. Yes, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he could be, you know, best case scenario, neither bother him and he's good the rest of the year or, you know, mm-hmm. indefinitely. But, but, you know, I, I'm a little too much of a realist. Yeah. Well, you got to be. That's what we're, yeah, you have to be. You've seen it and you see how this uh, reacts to players and, you know, how this affects their performance going forward, too. So it's, a, it's all a big part of it. Um, a couple other injuries. What about what? What did you make of the Michael Thomas situation with the Saints? Like, you know, both like, is it very odd? that he would wait would is there any way on earth a medical professional told him to wait to have that surgery so based on what we know and, and what we've heard this is a combination of factors first of all with the severity of his injury that we kind of now know he should have had surgery immediately this wasn't Dak, but this was not far from Dak. Okay, he had a bad high ankle and he had a bad deltoid tear. Yeah. Dak just happened to add a fracture to that, basically. So he when you shut him down for a month or two, honestly, that's not going to be enough because that deltoid is not going to heal. Mm-hmm. So they, they it, it's so strong. If you tear it, that's it. You just, you have to repair it because they just don't heal. They don't really get mild injuries, they either they're partial tears or full tears. That's why we don't really ever be worried about him. When I hear that, I'm like, all right he should have had surgery right immediately off season. He tried to play through it. He didn't want to end his season basically before it started. He tried to power through. Okay, fine. But then we hear, no, he didn't have surgery in January, February, whenever it would have been. And he apparently, you know, chatted with whoever doc he saw wasn't team doc. And he said, you know, let's try to rehab it for a month. And then if you're still not, you know, we're still not happy with where you're at, we'll have surgery. Well, reportedly, he either never went back to that doc or really never took his his or her guidance seriously. And then he shows up for camp and, and, and team docs were like, what the hell is this? Like, why, why did you never get surgery? Like, this is awful. You need yeah. surgery. And this is a four-month timeline. This isn't like a baby procedure. Right. You know, so now, and the other part, 
the, the, one of the things that I feel like happened is these, these players have a very small circle of trust. They really do. If you're on their good side and, and, and you, they trust you, they'll believe, you know, they'll, they'll do kind of whatever you want as long as it makes sense. But if you, they don't trust you, they don't know you, they're probably not going to follow your advice. So, and, and when you're in the off season, they really don't check on you. They, they, they kind of do their own thing. You know, maybe they periodically tweet, text you or whatever, but they're not hounding you like in season. So if he didn't get the answer he liked and he's like, Oh no, I can beat this. Like I've beaten everything else. Oh. Now he's running on an injury that needs to be repaired and he's developing new injuries. He's developing new wear and tear in areas that he probably shouldn't have because he's trying to push through an injury that shouldn't have been pushed through. So the question becomes, how is that going to play out when he does come back? You know, and I'm concerned yeah. he may never be the same player. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you is what, what's his prognosis for this year? I mean, is he going to be able to come back when, I mean, based on this timeline that you're saying four months, is not October before. Yeah, I mean, even- realistically, if you look at their schedule and, and, and their bye week it's probably like week eight, somewhere around there. I mean, could yeah. he return early? Yeah. Uh, could he have a setback? Yeah. I mean, uh, remember AJ Green from a couple of years ago? Remember right. Never played ever. Yeah. You know. Right. So uh, you know, could it be that? Yes. It doesn't sound like he's in their best graces, and they pay him a lot of money. So uh, there's a lot of parts here. People are like, oh, I got him in the sixth, seventh round. I'm like, are you yeah. ready to, to to hold this guy Sit for seven, eight weeks? Once injuries start piling up, guess who's going to be leaving? Right. You know, unless yep. you have unlimited IR or whatever, and that's a separate, you know, separate debate, but. I just, I'll let somebody else worry about them. It's just not, it's too, it's too much of a headache for me. Right. And I don't blame you. And I mean, it's a headache for Sean Payton, headache for fantasy owners, headache for doctors trying to treat, uh, you know, that injury. What about uh, Cortland Sutton? I'm going to go straight for one of my personal favorites uh, oh, yeah. this year. One of my favorite receivers, but we hear this, you know, coming back ACL tear for him, but they're saying uh, they don't quite trust it. Is this, the doctor's being very, you know, uh, um, slow with it. Is it on Sutton's end? And what's the prognosis for him? So in general, we've seen most wide receivers because they don't have to cut, you know, they're not in the trenches as much compared to running backs. On average, they do pretty good. Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, all these guys have had ACL tears, but they're still relevant, right? We, we, they're still in the top 10, 15, Cooper Cup, you know, but there is definitely a mental component. There is a little bit more give in that repair than a quote unquote normal knee. And it takes a long time because when you're running in a straight line, you don't really need your ACL per se. But when you cut and just change directions, that's all ACL. So if you don't trust it, you're not going to want a hard cut. You're not going to want to put that foot in the ground, that cleat, dig in, in, in hard right or hard left. That's the mental part. And, and reportedly, sometimes that takes up to the second year after surgery, you know, to finally trust that again. And, and it's a, it is a mental thing. And it's, sometimes it's a mental game just as much as it is a physical. Sure. No, that's not good for, uh, for such. So do you think, I mean, is it up to him? I mean, you think he's going to be good to go. They're going to let him loose at the start of the season. And then it's kind of up to him. I think he'll, he'll take some time to, to, to break in, so to speak, to mentally gain that confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not overly worried. I mean, if I had to pick either him or Judy, I just think 
don't know, something special about Judy. But I think they're both freaks, and I think they both could have monster seasons, um, it, quarterback aside. Um, but overall, I think that um, you shouldn't fade Sutton, but I have Judy a little bit higher because he has less, obviously, concern with his knee, even though they're separate, you know, monsters. They have their own skill sets. There is a path for him not doing as well, mental or physical or re-injury or whatever. But in general, I'm not super concerned about Sutton. I think over time he'll be he'll be all right, and, and you know he'll, he'll it'll be fine, and we won't really be like, oh yeah, I remember he had an ACL tear. I uh, I certainly hope so. What about Christian McCaffrey coming back? Is the situation um, you talked about? You know, high ankle sprain, missed all, but he came back, and then you know, had to leave once again. Do we have any concern about him going into the start of the season? So there is a little bit of a pause. Everybody just wants to, to rule things off. Thankfully, mm-hmm. he didn't tear any significant ligaments, um, and, you know, ACL-wise or anything like that. Does he have a little bit of concern? A little bit. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because up until last year, he missed one game in all of college and NFL career. And it was with a groin. That's mm-hmm. it. The guys had monster workload, kind of like Derrick Henry, and he's been able to power through. My suspicion is, is because he takes care of his body in the off season. And I indirectly know this is true. And he, you know, this was just unfortunately a fluky injury, just like Kamara, just like Saquon. I mean, it's just unfortunately a very common type of injury. And when he came back, he you know, banged his shoulder. And then, you know, if that was it, it would have been two or three games and we would have been fine. But when you stack it onto everything else, you know, it looks ugly. So I'm ready to give them a pass. Um, I'm not a big fan of their offensive line. I'm curious to see how the new quarterback plays out. But in general, I, his injury concerns are nowhere near as high as, uh, as someone like, um, and I'm going to make your, your listeners freak out right now, oh, Dalvin no. Cook um or yeah or saquon or or joe mixon or someone like that you just brought up dalvin cook let's go to his teammate justin jefferson this was one of those underreported injuries you know it's got that ac joint sprain right out for a couple of weeks there I, I believe they labeled it grade one but you know as a receiver going up to get that football you know any concern about justin jefferson start for the of uh, the start of the season so AC sprain is where the collarbone or clavicle meets the top of the shoulder blade. There's a collection of ligaments that hold that in place. And anytime you reach out in front, overhead, across your body, like a seatbelt movement, that's all AC joint. When you sprain that, usually landing hard on it, you can partially tear or beat up those ligaments. The more beat up, the worse the tear, the longer you're out. Reportedly, it was only a grade one, which is best case scenario. Some of these guys come back the next week. If there was in season, he might not even missed a, a game. I'm not overly concerned about this. If it was a t- what we call type two or type three, separate discussion. That's actually what McCaffrey had last year. And those are much more serious injuries. So right now is they're taking it careful. Give them another two weeks. That thing should be ready to good to go. Rock and roll. No concerns with that shoulder uh, because it's not overly concerning in the mechanism and, and, and just how it plays out. 
some other injuries just popping up and we'll uh, DeAndre Swift groin strain for him. Um, you know, running backs, you don't want any kind of injuries, but you mentioned soft tissue. You're not overly concerned. When should we be concerned when we see like a groin strain? What, what's so the timeline? Strains, yeah. So worry? great question. We've seen, we've seen several groin strains, Melvin Gordon's dealing with groin strain. Justin Fields popped up today with a groin. Yes. Strain. I don't like you that. Know, Swift is dealing with one groin. There's two types of groin strains we have traditional groin strain which is basically where the groin muscles attach to your leg and then you have a high groin or basically a sports hernia which is where the abdominal muscles insert into like the kind of where the, they kind of meet oh two separate monsters wow. the groin strain per se if it's a type a grade one a milder it's a pain it's an awful injury but it's 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 still doable two weeks on average type, you know, a more moderate strain, those are six, eight weeks. Those are rough injuries. That's what Jamal Adams had last year. That was why he missed so much time. Mm. Sports hernias. And from what, from what we know, all the guys that I talked about were all uh, a doctor or classic groin strains. Give them a couple of weeks. As long as they're smart with them, they're okay. When we're talking about sports hernias, that's a separate monster. That's Rashad, Rashad Bateman had. That is a tear and that doesn't do well without surgery. That's why Bateman had surgery because if you remember a couple of years ago, remember DJX had a monster game one and then we kind of disappeared off the yes. planet. For it? Mm-hmm. That's because he had a sports hernia and he tried to rehab it instead of do surgery. Uh, that was the reason. So if he had surgery, he probably would, you know, he would have missed a month, but it would have been, you wouldn't have really worried about him the rest of the year. But he lingered the whole year and he really didn't do anything the rest of the year. So OBJ had one, like these are, unfortunately pretty common injuries so if it's a a, a sports hernia that's concerning because they need surgery and that's a rough surgery if it's a groin strain as long as they're smart david montgomery had one last year right before the season started he he missed two weeks of preseason and then he never dealt with it the rest of the year so he got lucky but it's definitely an injury that you have to be careful with because you can easily turn a mild injury to a serious one because every time you push off that's what you're using you're using that groin muscle to push um, Stefan Diggs, you know, he's got a, uh, a bit of a knee. They're not very like undisclosed, but it's been like over a week, right. With Diggs yep. at this point. So the ninth, we haven't really heard much. Um, mm-hmm. uh, these, these get tricky. Cause you know, I'll give you an example of, of how this, how, how a mild injury can go from being, Oh, it wasn't a big deal to, right. yeah, it was a big deal. AJ Brown last year. Remember he missed like one or two games and we're like, yeah. Oh, he's, he's fine. He's just got a bone bruise. And at the end of the year, he had bilateral scopes because he had meniscal tears in both knees. Like yeah. these guys play with crazy injuries. I mean, I promise mm-hmm. you every step he took or every twist of that leg, he had pain. So this could be just a mild MCL sprain like Brady, like whoever, or it could be something a little bit more. We may not hear it. That doesn't mean it's not there. They just may be hush hush about it. So, and I feel like, if you're drafting Josh Allen, you really need Stefan Diggs. Like without Diggs, I don't think Allen is, you know, 70% of the quarterback, at least, you know, at least given who they are right now. So you're hoping that this is mild. Definitely. Bills fans, fantasy owners as well. But like you said, I, I remember, I mean, there's so many players. We'll go through the season and the perpetually, 
questionable players. He just keeps pushing this like, oh, yeah, you should be back this week. He doesn't play this week. He's questionable. Doesn't play again. Doesn't play again. Doesn't play again. It's like, what happens? And that all comes down to these schematics, these, you know, the nature of some of these injuries. Like, I just learned about that groin. I had no idea about uh, i knew the high ankle sprain that kind of worried me but i didn't realize how bad and now the groin that's a whole nother thing to look at so we're learning a lot here doc we appreciate it i know in the draft guide uh that is you can get here at fantasyguru.com also the fantasy doctors offer as well that spreadsheet you got updates on aaron jones and george kittle and darren waller and julio jones and claypool who just went down so you guys you really need to get this draft guide the nfl injury draft guide it's an add-on here at fantasyguru.com Highly, highly recommend it because there's a, a lot of updates. And I mean, you, you keep it updated all season long, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm adding to it every day, every couple hours, I feel like. I mean, that's the only way. I mean, if I have trouble keeping up with this and this is my passion, how mm-hmm. can, you know, the you all, the, that quote unquote regular fantasy fan that most of you aren't medically inclined, which is fine. Mm-hmm. How can you all understand what's important, what's serious and what's mild and, you know, what's major? Like, I don't know. There's, I mean, (laughs) there's literally 40 guys on the injury list and we haven't even played week one yet. I mean, and some of these guys are big name guys, you know, we have Galladay, we have Michael Thomas, we have Diggs, we have Aaron Jones. I mean, these are top 15 guys. Like, (laughs) like you have to, it's, it's just really hard to keep track of all this stuff. If you're just one team, it's not a big deal. That's but what we're it, all no. about. And we, we, I want to just, I'm, I'm tired. Uh, don't go into your season trying to get lucky. Don't just try to like draft a team and say, oh yeah, based on what I know of a groin injury or a hamstring, I think he'll be fine. That's the wrong way to do it, folks. If you want, and if you're listening to this podcast, chances are um, you either like diarrhea jokes or you really want to get better at fantasy sports and fantasy football in particular. And if you want to be a winning player and win consistently, consistently and at the high, at the highest level, you need this kind of information and uh, being on top of these injuries can go a, a long ways with that. But last question real quick, do you injury reporting protocols for the NFL? It used to be a lot better. And then they, now everybody's questionable all the time as a medical professional, does this bother you that they aren't more honest or upfront, or do you understand it? Because, well, you know, there is a lot of, you know, wiggle room with uh, every variety of injury. So it's, that's a great question. Um, I would say the injury report is probably 20% accurate. It's bad. There's right. 80% of injuries you have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And when I treat pros, I have to ask them, was this injury that whatever they're, whatever I'm treating, yeah. did, were you on the injury report for this? I, I, this is a literal question I ask them. Yeah. And if the answer is yes, it goes to workman's comp. If the answer is no, it goes through the private insurance. Think, think about that. That's a, that's a, it sounds stupid. Yeah. That's how different it is. Wow. If they miss time on the field or potentially miss time on the field, that's a work injury. That's amazing. If they're not on the field, you know, I mean, technically it happened in the field usually, mm-hmm. then it's not. It's, it sounds like semantics, but you're talking about two different payers. You're talking about two different monsters. Right. You know, and, 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 and that may not have anything to do with it from the, the team's perspective. 
maybe it does. I don't, I don't, well, I don't maybe know. Maybe it does. Yeah. That's a good question. I never thought about that way until right now. But in general, I think that they want to be upfront because they don't want to be penalized. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they don't want to show their hand. You know, yeah. I, I don't remember if Brady was on the uh, injury report last year, but he reportedly re-injured his knee early in the season. I mean, early. Right. Right, and he right. literally played the entire season with that knee. I'm pretty sure he wasn't on the injury report every week with a knee. If I remember correctly, he was not. So it's like, we know that he was, in hindsight, we know he was he had a bad injury. But the re- report didn't say anything. So it's like, how much can you actually trust to report? That's the hard part. It's like, you're, it's like you're, tr- you're trying to fight with your hands behind your back. It's like, bottom line <laughs> is you can't. I mean, you can't trust the injury report. And I mean, that's just a, a huge bit of information as well. It, there's so much going on behind the scenes. There's so much at play here, folks, that, you know, as a fan or even a, a fantasy player, we start thinking, they're everybody's on the up and up and everybody has the best interest at heart, but it's not the truth. It's just not the truth. And we've learned that over decades now uh, of watching and being a fan and playing fantasy football and all that. We realized things have come a long way, medical uh, practitioners, so to speak. And um, we've got a long way to go as well. So it's, it's that there's a lot going on here to the injuries. You need a doctor by your side. And Dr. Jesse Morris, I think, is one of the best in the business and uh, is one of the best to help us win some championships this year. Uh, Dr. Morris, appreciate your time. As always, one last plug. Where can people find you and this uh, beloved draft guide? Sure. So easiest way to find me is at Dr. Jesse Morris uh, on Twitter. That's primarily my handle. Uh, The Fantasy Doctors is DRS, not the full word doctors. Um, and if you're look, we're on all the platforms, but most of the time we're really on Twitter. It's the easiest place to, to find us. Um, TFD injury draft guide is the, is the, the, the season long one. And the one, if you're not, if, you know, if you're not a, a guru subscriber, that's the other way to get it. Um, you won't get as many perks. It doesn't have some of the same stuff, but you can still get the majority of it. Um, I do uh, the, the TFD app has my injury, um, uh, report, I guess you'd call it in in the bottom so you click on the white button at the bottom and it it opens up a screen and then you just click nfl and my injury reports there i'm working i'm working on making it better but it's there um that's one option and then our youtube channel really if there's an injury and it's to a relatively big name player or you know an offensive player there's going to be a video on it it's just a matter of time Absolutely love it. It's great stuff. Again, at Dr. Dr. Jesse Morse, M-O-R-S-E on that. TFD injury You could add it on to our draft guide right here at fantasyguru.com. Have it at your beck and call all season long. Dr. Morse, appreciate the time, my friend. Very insightful, just amazing stuff. And uh, we'll have to do it again in season, my man. I'm ready. Thank you very much for your time. And, uh, Good luck on the season. I'm ready to rock and roll. I cannot wait. It's going to be a wild one. And I'm happy to finally have a doctor by our side to help us through all this. Again, that is going to do it, everybody. Episode 79 in the books. Call the doctor. That's what we're titling this one. Dr. Jesse Morse joined us on that one. Again, fantasyguru.com 2021 fantasy football draft guide is live. Our daily fantasy package is at elitefantasy.com. Daily fantasy football, all preseason long, all regular season long, all postseason, all the way through the Super Bowl. 
over there at EliteFantasy.com and EliteSportsBetting.com for all your legalized sports betting needs as well. Follow me, Jeff Mans, on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. For the doctor, Jesse Morris, this is Jeff Mans. You may disagree with some or all that you heard on today's program. It's perfectly all right. Why? Because it was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!